Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Camille York. Camille is a financial advisor at Raymond James & Associates, and she helps clients answer the big questions in life and provides them with the tools to achieve the goals that are most important to them. Camille, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Melissa. So happy to be here. Well, it's always good to have a friend on the show, and we wanted to have a conversation today about pay equity, and specifically, we're highlighting Black Women's Equal Pay Day, um, which occurred recently, and I think you, Camille, have great personal examples, but also advice for clients and professionals about how to approach pay equity and, and mindset and tools and strategies, so I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. Same. I I couldn't agree with you more. I'm really excited. So do you find yourself talking about pay equity a lot right now? It's so funny. I I absolutely do. Um, And and I don't know, you know, if maybe it's just that pay equity, Black Women's Pay Equity Day was approaching or, you know, what the synergy is around that, maybe just some of the political climate that's taken place as well. But um, I've been doing a lot of conferences and, and podcasts and um, even panels focused on pay equity, um, whether it's just Black professionals or specifically Black women. And I really enjoyed it. It obviously impacts me um, personally. And so it's something that I've taken a personal interest in as well as it affects my clients. Um, so I think it's important that I do have a pulse on you know, what's going on and, and what are ways that we can effectively tackle the issue. And so um, I've really enjoyed studying it. Well, I think it, it goes without saying that as a, as a black woman, you want to study it or as a woman in general, um, pay equity is an important topic. So uh, for those, for our listeners who are just kind of approaching the subject, can you give us a definition of pay equity and what is black women's equal pay day? Yeah, sure. So pay equity is the paying of employees both fairly and consistency, consistently without discrimination um, on the basis of gender, race, or any other protected category. Um, and so when you think about even from a federal standpoint, there are you know, some federal pay equity laws that have been in existence for decades. So you have the Equal Pay Act of 1963, that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, which has helped to kind of establish a framework to protect against some of that pay um, discrimination. But I, I think it's time that we take a closer look to see how those laws are actually being implemented and, and whether or not they truly are helping mitigate you know, the issue around um, pay equity and the disparity of wages. So 
when you think about Black women specifically, uh, one of the reasons why there's a Black Women Equal Pay Day is that Black women are paid 61% um, of what non-Hispanic white men are paid annually. And so that's 61 cents of every dollar that white men are paid, which when you think about an annual salary, that would mean Black women taking home around 38000 the white man, a white man taking home around 61000 So the difference would be about $23,000. And so the first thing that I thought of um, when I was looking into those numbers is that, you know, an annual contribution limit right now for 401k is $19,500. And so it was such a light bulb moment for me because, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about in retirement planning is, you know, where can you put your retirement money? And so knowing that Black women are missing out on, you know, a full contribution, (laughs) maxing out a full contribution annually, that was huge for me. Um, In in addition to other things that you can do with it, but that was just, you know, the the most readily available example that I pulled and that was huge. Um, And and so we take a special time to focus on that because that is where uh, the greatest disparity lies um, when it comes to pay equity. So it, it takes a black woman 19 months to be paid on average what white men take home in 12 months. Um, And when you think about all women, all women are typically paid 82% of what white men are paid. So there's a large gap when it comes to specifically focusing on Black women. And so there's a day focused on educating around that. That's great. I'm so glad that there's a day devoted, but I hope that that day and those numbers will change significantly over time. I know when you look at the time scale for how long it'll take for black women or Hispanic women to kind of bridge the pay gap. If we just continue on the trend we are right now, it's, you know, looking into a century from now and it's just, that's just not going to work, especially because of the reasons that you're describing. I love how you put it into concrete numbers. Like this is a 401k contribution that's being missed because the money is not there. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for comparison purposes, Women's Equal Pay Day is in March. So, you know, that's kind of, isn't it not tied to kind of how long it takes to make up the gap? It is. It absolutely is. Um, And and it's so interesting that you readily pick up on that. Um, you're, You're spot on. So we've identified the issue. And it's an issue that we all need to be aware of. So hopefully we're increasing awareness. But then what do you do with that information? How do you suggest to your clients and the large groups that you're educating that they can individually overcome the hurdles of pay inequity? Sure. And and I love, Melissa, that you, you know, led with the awareness because more than one in three Americans are not aware of the pay gap between Black women and white men. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're here today. Um, and, and 53% of Americans are not aware of the pay gap between Black women and white women. So it does start with an awareness. Um, but then action steps that you can take um, after that negotiation is always a huge one for me. I think we so often leave so much money on the table by just failing to negotiate. Um, And a lot of it is fear, right? Um, Fear that maybe the employer will rescind the offer or, you know, think of us differently. And we just aren't really wired to negotiate. Um, And I wasn't either. 
but I took an art and negotiation course um, in the se- my senior year of my master's coursework. And I loved it because it, it forced me into different negotiation um, scenarios and simulations. And so right after graduating, I said, I'm going to use this. Um, and I did. My first, it was my second job offer. Um, I used my first job offer as leverage to negotiate the second job offer. Like I had had a number, right? And there are some tools which I'd love to share with you to get into for you to get that number because sometimes it, it, it's hard, right? You don't really know what you should be asking for. <laughs> you kind of feel blindfolded sometimes when you're in that. You feel like, especially if you haven't put that negotiation hat on, you may feel like all the power is in in the control of you know the employer. Right. Um, and the reality is if they made an offer, <laughs> they want you to work there, right? Yeah, absolutely. They want you. Um, and when you, you change your lens to view it from that way, you realize that you actually have a lot of power. Um, and that's one of the things that I realized that I just didn't know. So that first job offer, I quite honestly, I didn't want the job anyways, but <laughs> no they, need they to disclose that. that to the second employer. They didn't know that exactly. So, you know, I just held that tightly in my hand and said, listen, I've got this other employer. They're willing to pay me more. You know, I really want to work with you guys, but we've got to meet somewhere in the middle. And I was able to negotiate $10,000 above what they initially offered me. Um, And early on, I don't think I really understood the implications. But one of the things that my mom did with me that was so valuable is we sat down and wrote out all of my fake bills. So I didn't have any bills at the time. I was just graduating college, but um, so instrumental. I always say my mom should have been a financial planner as well. <laughs> Maybe that's where I learned these skills from. So we talked, you know, what would rent look like and, you know, a light bill and a water bill. And, you know, from what they just offered you, will you be able to maintain the standard of life that you want? Um, and I think that's so important when you're going into negotiation, you should do that, go through that same process, figure out what standard of life uh, you would like to create for yourself. And will you be able to maintain that based upon what they just extended to you? Um, and even so, know your numbers as to what you're truly worth, what's your true value, and you know, negotiate. So, How do even, you, well, ahead. just pausing for a moment first, I think yeah. that that is a great, um, you know, just nuts and bolts reality to know your budget. And also, mm-hmm. what a great motivator. So, you're not, I think sometimes with women, or people that they don't want to be perceived as greedy. Well, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, this is just reality. This is what I need to pay my bills. And it's also, yeah. it's important for, you know, the next person in the same position. Right. Um, and it has a snowball effect in your future yes. life because you can't just go and reset things easily. Um, even, you know, I know there's increasing support for not requiring disclosure of what your current income is when you're right. looking for a job, but, um, you know, you're kind of setting a standard that is difficult to shake. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I love what you said there. So two things, we often don't want to negotiate because we, you know, don't think that there's room to increase, but there, there was a study done by NerdWallet that says 74% of employers have the room to increase that first offer by 5 to 10%. But they're not going to disclose that to you, just as I didn't disclose that I didn't really want the first offer. You know, you keep that close to the chest. And 
you're leaving five to 10% on the table just by not asking. Um, And then when you talk about that trickle down effect, so when we think back to Black women, 80% of Black women are the primary breadwinners within their household. And so when I think about sustainability for a family, um, there's an African proverb that says, if you educate a man, you educate an individual. But if you educate a woman, you educate a family or a nation um, because there's that trickle down effect, right? So what are children learning from their mom and how does that impact generations to come? So when I think of, you know, educating a black woman financially and making sure that she's in good financial standing, I think about the generations to come that uh, it has that impact on. Well, we know that the trickle down effect certainly is there when it comes to financial literacy. You learn about your money concepts from your family and your parents. Mm -hmm. And so educated, professional, um, proactive approaches are have a multiplier effect. So that is, that's a big deal. So, so how do we get the numbers to know what we are worth when you're going into that first job, or maybe you're changing careers or, you know, the economy is a little disrupted. How can you get concrete numbers? What I'm noticing from this conversation, Camille, is that you're someone who knows statistics (laughs) all over the place. So tell me where you get the stats when you're advising clients or looking yourself for what is pay equity? That's a great question. Um, One of my favorites, I absolutely love Glassdoor. Uh, When I was job hunting, I spent way too much time (laughs) on Glassdoor and I I do it for friends. I'll do, you know, market analysis for them to figure out what's out there um, and comparatively what they should be looking for. But there's a specific feature on Glassdoor called Know Your Worth, believe it or not. And um, they will give you a custom salary estimate based on title, job company, location, experience. And so that really helps you know your specific number. Um, And I think there's so much value in that. So again, in negotiation, you know what to ask for. Payscale.com also has some salary negotiation tools. So they will help you when it comes to um, building out that salary negotiation. And then there's another one. um, It's called Get Raised. And I think it's GetRaised.com. Get Raised will help you structure your request for a raise. So that's another part of it is like, okay, say, all right, Camille, I've already started. I missed the boat. You know, I didn't negotiate coming in the door. Is it too late for me? Well, no, let's, let's now ask for a raise. And so what does that look like? Get raised will help you construct that raise request to hopefully increase your chances of increasing your salary. And so those were, those are the three that I I typically refer to the most when it comes to either salary negotiation or asking for a raise. And I think what's also important too, I'm a bit big network person, is leveraging your network. So I have at least two or three friends who work in HR. And although, you know, I would never ask them to disclose anything that they can't tell me, but there's so much guidance that they can give based upon what they do every day. They see this all the time, right? So ask your HR friends, like, you know, what would you do if you were in my circumstance or, or how would you advise an employee if I were your employee or, you know, what do you look for? What makes for a strong negotiation? Um, and, and if they're right in your network, of course, they're going to be inclined to, to help and show you. Um, so don't, don't um, miss that opportunity to leverage your network of HR professionals as well. 
I agree. And your financial advisor, if we haven't mentioned since we both live in that world, is also a great resource, especially talking about what can you afford? Can you afford to take this offer? One of the things I was reminded of too, as you mentioned, getraised.com is it's completely appropriate to also ask, let's say that you've negotiated, but you're not quite getting into the range that you want to be in. Ask when they'll review your salary again. Mm -hmm. And what are their standards for salary reviews in general? There's, especially in small businesses, sometimes it's like, no, this is (laughs) like, until there's a crisis, we're not going to change things. Um, Or maybe there's a cost of living adjustment each year. Ask what their culture is in terms of pay review. Yes, that is so great that you bring that up, Melissa. That's one of the things that I encourage people. And I know that sometimes it can feel awkward, right? We just, (laughs) we don't like to ask those things. We don't want to shake the table, but sometimes um, you just have to. So ask, you know, when's the last time we conducted a pay equity analysis? You know, did it happen this year? Was it two years ago? And then do we have solutions if we find disparity? So it's one thing to conduct an analysis and put it in a drawer and not do anything with it. But if we find disparities, what's our solution? Um, And those are appropriate questions for you to ask. Absolutely. And if you're walking in the door and you're new to the field profession job, then you may sit, the the intention based on conversation may be that your role will change as you learn more. So, you know, asking, are you being paid for your skills today or the skills you're expected to attain over time? So then hopefully you can advocate for yourself. Keep track of what you're doing different than your initial, you know, job offer and, and, you know, be valuable to your employer as well, which I'm sure everyone who's proactive enough to be listening to this has that in mind. (laughs) Exactly. But it's okay to be a little bit strategic. I mean, the only person, the biggest advocate for you is you. So don't wait Mm -hmm. for somebody else to take charge of your career. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm sitting here too. So I think this, this advice is great, especially for black professionals, but really for everyone. And, and we don't talk about negotiation nearly enough. I would love to take that art of negotiation class. And um, it's something that I've seen so much value with, but I've had to kind of learn on the job about negotiation. But another thing that I think you mentioned that is critical for all of us to advocate for changes in the gaps in in pay is advocacy. And this is something that I'm really want to hear about because I hope that I can be an advocate in forums like this. But how do you approach advocacy on this topic? Sure. Um, So two things. There's a quote, MLK Jr. um, said, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. That is the interrelated structure of reality. And so when we think about how we're all in this together and, you know, an increase in one's income and their sustainability ultimately increases our economy as a whole. Um, It's not just a black woman's problem or a black professional problem. You know, it affects all of us, whether directly or indirectly. And so we all play a role in, in helping to change, um, change the reality. And so I think just knowing, one, <laughs> that the pay gap exists, but two, knowing that you too can ask these same questions. So it's not just on Black professionals to inquire uh, with employers when it comes to, you know, that pay equity analysis and, and what are we doing to address the disparities? You know, it's okay 
for anyone to ask those questions um, and, and to make sure, you know, check in with your friends and your colleagues to see how can I be an ally and, and you know, what can I do to advocate for you in places and spaces? Those questions are, are okay. Um, and I think it, it is important for you to get plugged in when it comes to knowing the facts, one, but knowing um, your role and being able to help change, it help truly affect change. That's great advice. And that advocacy is not a one ticket punch, right? That's mm-hmm. what kind of you can have a mindset that you're, you're going to be an advocate and that you wear that advocacy hat every day. Every, every single day. Um, it's funny over the weekend, uh, my dad and I went golfing. And, and so I get so much clarity when I'm just out in nature. I think most people do. It's so fun. Um, but we were talking about some of these things. And so he said something that I thought was really great. So I'm going to steal it from him right now. And he says, you know, when a photographer walks into a room, even if there's just one person of color, in order to truly capture the room in its entirety, he has to, he or she as a photographer has to adjust that lens, the brightness and the focus to truly capture that person's of color, the person of color's characteristics, their features and their highlights. And so we ask people as we operate within our places of employment, groups, organizations, affiliation, um, it's important that we view ourselves as a photographer and read the room. And if we can identify even one person of color, and if we can't identify one in the room, that's another topic for another day. But Big topic in our financial world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully there is at least one. And so then the responsibility is on all of us to adjust our focus and to change our lens so that we can bring that person into view and make sure that they don't just fade out and become washed out. Um, and I thought that that was such a great visual um, because that that is what happens is sometimes we just don't see it. And so we don't speak up. Um, but if we change our lens and change our focus, then that helps us become better advocates. What an extraordinary analogy. Your, your dad sounds so wise. <laughs> he is. We'll keep him. We'll keep him <laughs> what an, a wonderful guide. And the thing that I thought about as you described that adjusting your lens and especially the Martin Luther King Jr. quote was that success is not a zero-sum game. So your support and advocacy and building a sustainable economic system, it's is an amplifier for all of us. So these conversations and the actions and results that we hope that they will engender should help all of us. It's, it's not one person wins and the other loses. It, it yeah. helps to create stronger organizations, a better intellectual diversity and cognitive diversity. And so, you know, it's relevant and there's an economic case to be made regardless of equity, but also it's just the right thing to, the right conversations to be having right now. And I, I love looking at it from that lens, Melissa, too, is, is, you know, regardless of the economic standpoint, I love the community-based focus that it's not enough for us just to succeed on our own. And so often we have such an individualistic mentality, but um, it really is what's best for the greater good. Um, and when we can start to view things from that perspective, it really changes the trajectory. 
Well, thank you for sharing your personal perspective, your personal successes, and the work that you're doing with your clients. I just love what you're up to. We'll make sure to share how to reach out to Camille as well as she has fabulous social media presence. So don't don't um, neglect reaching out to her, especially on LinkedIn. Thank you, Melissa. This has been such a joy and an honor to be here, both with you and your listeners. I hope that everyone was able to gain even just one little nugget that they can take for themselves and, and pass along most certainly. So um, I really enjoyed being for here. For more information, Thanks, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.